Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. All right, guys, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this week's uh, uh, Cyber Church broadcast. We are talking about resurrection realities. We are talking about the power and the life of God that transforms us from any state of lack, from any state of failure, from any state of sin, from any state of defeat, transforms us. Doesn't just clean us up and make us better. Doesn't just give us some rules to obey to make life go better transforms us. In other words, does something in us that changes us in, in every way that a human being can be changed. Actually, in fact, it is a resurrection from the death of those sins. It's not just fixing those problems. It's like I say, it's not just getting a handbook about how to deal with those problems. It's not about just getting counseling. I'm not against counseling as long as counseling takes you to uh, transformation. It takes you to a bunch of formulas, a bunch of processes eh, without transformation, not going to work or it's not going to work for very long. So this week we're talking about seeing what God sees. Now, just imagine how you would handle every situation differently if you were looking at that situation from God's point of view. So if you were looking from God's point of view, you would be taking into account the power of God versus the power of the problem you would be taking into account the faithfulness of God uh, versus the weakness of this, of, of, of this problem or the situation. You would be taking into account every aspect of God's word that has always been fulfilled. Not one word uh, of his has ever been proven to be untrue or ever been proven to be without power. If we could see things from God's perspective, the real truth is it would get incredibly easy to live in victory. And so that's one of the places we want to take you. This has a lot to do with resurrection life, and we will talk about that more in upcoming upcoming, uh, messages. So in the Old Testament, there's a story where the king of Syria just absolutely kept getting defeated over and over and over again. And it was all because of one single prophet who always heard from God and knew what was going on. So, so he decides he's going to go down and conquer this prophet, which I always think is pretty stupid. It's like if, if he always knows how to defeat you, what makes you think you're going to come up with a strategy to defeat him? So basically, he sends his army down to the city where this particular prophet is, and uh, the prophet is there with one of his uh, students, and uh, they are surrounded by the Syrian army. Of course, the student is freaking out just like I would or he would if we had been there. And so the prophet says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed. Let let me just point out something to you. Anytime the word tells you to do or not to do something, it is inherent in that spoken word. Uh, it It is actually encoded in that spoken word by the Spirit of God, uh, the power and the strength to do what it says. So if God says, fear not, then then one of the things that's encoded in that word is the power of God that can work in our heart and the Holy Spirit can 
can make it all the pieces come together. And so we don't fear. So it's it's just a choice. If God says, don't do this, we can make a choice and we can overcome. If God says, do this, we can make a choice. We will be empowered to actually uh, be able to do whatever it is God says that we're able to do. The problem is we are unwilling, afraid, and who knows what other reasons of making choices to obey God because Number one, that would take away all of our excuses. Number two, we just don't really trust God that much. We don't believe uh, God can do what he says he can do in our lives. But I'm going to tell you, if you saw what God saw, you would always know, I can do this because God is with me. And so anyhow, so, so the prophet says, don't be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Syria, nor before all the multitudes that is with him, for there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of the flesh, but with us is the Lord God to help us uh, and to fight our battles. Now, so the prophet prays for his servant, and the servant uh, opens his eyes, and he sees this host of angels that have surrounded them that were there to protect them. I got news for you. You know, you can see you, you can see ten thousand soldiers surrounding you and your eyes open, and you see something differently, and you see a 100,000 angels there to protect you, I got news for you. You're suddenly going to be filled with confidence. You're suddenly going to be filled with boldness. Well, that's what happens when we see things from God's perspective. You know, so many of the struggles that we face in life, that's all they're really about is our vantage point. We're standing behind something, our vantage point is really uh, uh, blurred and, and blocked and reshaped because of what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about God. And so all it really takes to move from a place of defeat to a place of victory is to change your vantage point, to, to see things from a different view. And when we see things from God's view, then suddenly, like I say, the confidence uh, comes to be able to do all that God said we can do. Now, Romans 3.23 is one of those scriptures that everybody's uh, familiar with, 3.23 and 24, where it talks about, or actually it's 3.24. It says, all is sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, when we read that passage of scripture, we think that this is a scripture that is telling us how bad we are and how we are just not living up to God's expectations. Well, you know, I I don't read it that way. You may read it that way. I I don't read it that way. Because the glory of God is is God's reality. It is the reality of who God is. It is the reality of God's promises. It is the reality of God's faithfulness. It is the reality of God to keep us. And so the whole point of sin is not what you did wrong, even though that is a great problem. The the whole problem with sin is that sin keeps you from experiencing what God in reality has for you through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So maybe we need to consider first and foremost, what does the word glory actually mean? You know, when you think about the word glory, you think about the brightness, the splendor, the greatness, the majesty of God, and it is all of those things. The word glory is one of those words, very much like many other biblical words. It is so multidimensional. 
that the height and the breadth and the depth of it can never be fully intellectually grasped, although it can be grasped in our heart and we can know it, we can recognize it, we can sense it, we can move with it, even when we can't fully intellectually explain it. So I remember the first time I did research on the glory of God, I mean, extensive research. Uh, man, I am, this is back before the days of computers. And I was, I was reading in my um, Greek lexicon. And I'm telling you, there were pages and pages and pages and pages uh, about what the glory of God actually meant. I thought, this is, this is so vast, I can't even get my head around it. But after I went back and read it several times, there were a few words and phrases that jumped out at me that brought all of these pieces together. Uh, because the glory of God, the word glory comes from the Greek word doxos, where we get the word doxology. And so, uh, uh, you know, we all think that the glory of God is the choir singing, amen, amen, and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's all right. We might be giving some type of glory to God, if you will. But that's really not what the word means. The word glory, doxa, it actually means a view, the view, the opinion, and the reality. And so once I've I don't know how many times I read all these pages, going back and praying over this, reading over this, meditating over this. Once all of that came together, then these pages and pages and pages of the glory of God suddenly made sense. You see, God has a view. God has an opinion. And sadly, our view and our opinion are very rarely in harmony with God. We have been so influenced by religion. And you'll remember, religion is part of the world system that is designed to fulfill the lust of the flesh, uh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It has nothing to do with really connecting with God. You talk about God, you say all the right words, you quote all the right scriptures, but at the end of the day, it's still about you and you doing what you think would make God happy. Religion is all about you uh, trying to earn something from God, whereas faith is all about believing what God has already freely given you through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So uh, the glory of God uh, is, is rooted. And now, yes, is it, is it the majesty? Yes. Is it, you know, is it the splendor? Yes. Is it the brightness and the greatness? Yes. Is it all of these pages and pages of redundant ways of, of trying to come up with some way to express how incredible God really is. Yes, 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 yes. But that doesn't help you understand it. You see, God has a view of everything. And too many times our view is uh, incongruent with God's view. So when we look at what needs to happen to solve a problem, we, you know, we've come up with a formula, we come up with a recipe, we come up with some religious work that we can do. I mean, who knows what we come up with? Uh, so, you know, that's, that's the way we're viewing the situation. When we view a situation, sometimes we look at the opposition that we face and our view is I can't win this and I'm going to have to make some kind of compromises and da, 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 da. But you see, when we come to Jesus th there, and I've talked about this, I think previous and, and previous messages here already. And I have a book called, uh, heaven on earth that talks a lot about this. There is a realm that the Bible calls the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. They are not exactly the same, even though 
they overlap and, and they both enjoy, you know, benefits from one or the other. The kingdom of God is more about surrendering to Jesus as Lord and saying, you are king. I will, you know, whatever you say, that's, that's what I'm going to believe. Whatever you have accomplished, that's what I'm going to, going to trust. And so this is all about, this is all about surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus. And so this means that this is the place where I give up my view and my opinion of anything and everything. And I go through an exchange where I exchange how I see things and I exchange them for how God sees things. I, I surrender my opinion and exchange that with God's opinion. See, every failure in my life affects my confidence in any given situation. So when we are faced with challenges, so many times we evaluate those challenges and our, the possibility of us actually winning in those situations. We don't look at God. We don't look at God's power. We don't look at who's with us. We don't look at who's in us. Uh, we don't look at the promises of God. Instead, we look at ourselves through a lens of all of our failures, our condemnations, our guilt, and all those kinds of things. And, you know, our, our track record. Our track record is such a phenomenal part of how we view any challenge and any, and any situation. So what we normally do is we settle on what uh, view we're going to have of the situation. What are the possibilities of good outcomes? What, you know, what are we expecting based on how I see myself, based on my past track record? Well, the thing is, if we have actually entered into the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, none of that really, none of that really matters. Because, because when we entered into the death of Jesus on the cross, then basically we died, we left all of that behind us. You say, yeah, but Jim, what about all the times you know, that I have failed as a believer, I've compromised as a believer? And I, well, what you're experiencing is condemnation. Condemnation uh, is a guilt and a shame that has an expectation of punishment. Well, the expectation of that punishment is in fact, you know, the fear of continuing to fail and the feelings of being powerless and, and all that kind of stuff. So, so even as a believer, the moment, the moment I turn to God, the moment I surrender myself to God, the moment I, I, I make choices to live in the newness of life, then, then again, I take all of that that is outside of Christ, not before I got saved, just anything that's outside of who God says I am in Jesus. Now, suddenly, all of that is taken to the grave with Jesus. And I now have the opportunity to be raised up in newness of life, be raised up in resurrection life with him, like we talked about in uh, last week's message. So, so we have this view, and uh, God has a view. God's view is you're in Christ, you're a new creation, you have been raised up in newness of life. Uh, in Christ, you have conquered sin, death, hell, the grave, the devil, and all of that. You have nothing to fear. Nothing can conquer you. You can, you can win every single battle. You are more than a conqueror, uh, you know, and on and on and on it goes. You're always above and never beneath. You're always ahead. You are never the tail. That's God's view of you because he sees you in Christ. Our view of ourselves is more, I see myself in light of my failures. So now I limit myself. And the thing, that limitation, by the way, that, that unbelief, see, anything that actually makes God smaller to me, anything that makes me smaller than who God says I am is sin. 
Now, there are several different uh, Greek words for sin, but at the end of the day, every one of those Greek words come back to me not living as I really am, me not living in this identity that I have in Christ, me not enjoying what I have in Jesus. And so, and so in every situation, if I want to live everything that God has done for me through the resurrection of Jesus, then I've got to die to my view of me because that's all it really is. It's just in the view. And I've got to die to all of my opinions. Now, when you come to Jesus and you start this journey toward heaven on earth, it all starts with repentance and becoming teachable. You know, the very first thing that John said, and even Jesus said, is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Well, was it, what does that mean? Well, it, it means that if you want to enter into the realm of the kingdom of God, you have got to become teachable. You've got to be willing to surrender your view and your opinion. If you do not surrender your view and opinion, then the very best that you can expect to experience in any situation is as good as you can do, is how strong are you? How strong is your willpower? How strong is your strength? How strong are you? How long can you uh, live in pain and suffering and hold out? That's it. That's as far as you can go. You can go no longer than your uh, personal expectations, than your personal view, than your personal opinion. And so God has opinion, we have an opinion. God has a view, we have a view. The problem is we trust our view because we don't really realize, I don't meet many believers who realize what happened on the cross and how that pertains to them and how they enter into that with Jesus to, to experience it. So, so I don't want to be limited to my opinions. I don't want to be limited to my view. You know, when I came to Jesus, I came to Jesus because I wanted to escape this life that was based on everything that I had learned in the world system, everything I had learned and, and, you know, by, from corrupt people, from ungodly people, I wanted to be a new creation. And I realized very quickly that I had to totally surrender every opinion I had about everything because I was pretty much wrong about everything. Now. So when this is not just psychology. This is not just mind over math. You know how people contact me all the time and because, you know, I have a background in, in medicine and a little bit of a background in science and uh, a background in substance abuse counseling and all that kind of stuff. You know, you don't have a lot of, a lot of these backgrounds that uh, come, you know, from secular credentials. And I'm thankful for it. But people say, I want to know what you know. I, I want to be able to understand God, you know, from these, from these science books that you read, I'm like, well, you can't. I don't understand God from a science book. I don't understand God from what I learned in counseling. I understand God from what the Bible says. And I understand how to counsel and be effective. And, and I even know how to pick and use the theories that are at least harmonious with the Word of God. But at the end of the day, the faith can't ever be in the process. It can't be in the way we do it. It can't be in our and in our counseling methodology, or even our ministry methodologies, at the end of the day, we got to bring everybody back to the cross of Christ. And at that cross, they've got to give up all their views, all their opinions, so that they can experience a resurrection and, and live in the, the glory of God. So now the glory of God is the view and the opinion, but it's also the reality. Now, buddy, we have, we have trouble believing that our opinion our view, the way we look at things 
produces a sense of reality that is so overwhelming, it, it becomes our reality. It becomes, it becomes what makes us sick. It becomes what makes us sad. It becomes what makes us depressed. It is a power that influences us through our mind and through, and through our beliefs. And, uh, but God has another reality. And you can change realities anytime you want to. Your, your reality right, right now may be you're a horrible person, you're a liar, you're a cheat, you're immoral, you're ungodly or whatever, or that you're a fake or that you're a fraud. And the real truth is you can let all of that die and be raised up into a new reality. And that new reality is you can be transformed and have the power of being a person of character, of being a person of godliness, of being a person of peace, of being a person who is trustworthy, of being a person who is faithful. And that's not just about getting better. That is about dying to all that you were and being raised up into a brand new reality so that the, the reality that you had before doesn't even make any sense at all. Well, so in this message, we're wanting to introduce this concept of God having a reality, but we're also wanting to introduce this concept that you must enter into God's reality or you can never have the power to live in that reality. So in the book of Colossians, the first chapter, the 25th verse, Paul says, I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill or to bring to completion. When you see that word fulfill, it's not done away with. You know, many people will say that, you know, the commandments are done away with because uh, Paul says they're fulfilled in love. Fulfilled doesn't mean done away with. It means to come to fruition. It means to come to the ultimate goal. So Paul is saying, I want to bring you to the ultimate goal of the word of God. And then he that starts to describe that in verse 26, he said, the mystery, which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. So there is a mystery that it's not just as old as a human race. It's, it's pre-creation. It is a mystery that God held into his heart and that he, and that he programmed into, uh, uh, the universe that he programmed into the word of God. It is a mystery that we can't see or perceive or take hold of until something happens in our hearts and we experience a transformation. And suddenly now from that transformation, we start seeing what we couldn't see before. We start perceiving what we could not perceive before. We start realizing that our opinions mean nothing in light of God's reality. And we can enter into that re reality. John 3, 3 says that when we're born again, that we have this ability to see or to perceive the kingdom of God. That means that now that we perceive it, we can enter into it. Now, there's the kingdom of God that starts with the lordship of Jesus, but there's also the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven, you know, you think about it, if you die, when you think about dying and going to heaven, man, you think about no sickness, no pain, no sorrow, no suffering. You know, God's protecting you. Everything's working out for you. Well, the truth is, from a biblical perspective, the kingdom of heaven is a realm that we enter to in our hearts. And because we have accepted Jesus as Lord, not because we've accepted him as a savior, but because we have accepted him as Lord, we have surrendered our view, our opinion, and we have entered into the reality that he created through the resurrection of the dead. And because of that, now, 
we enter in that realm where we realize that not only are we connected to God, but we are connected to all of the resources of heaven. That's why we get to have heaven here on earth. So, so Paul says, uh, says, you know, this has been God's plan all along. Now, listen to this. It says, to them, God willed to make known what are the riches of his glory. All right. So what is the riches of God's view? What is the riches of God's opinion? What is the riches of God's reality? What is the riches of God's greatness and splendor and majesty? What is the riches of, of everything that, that, that magnifies God above all other things? And he says, uh, it's this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of the glory of God. Now, the concept of Christ in us is a concept that is talked about, but very few actually enter into it. Very few actually experience it. We talk about Christ in me. We quote scriptures about Christ in me. But when it comes time to manifest Christ in us, because this is really not our reality, it's just a mental doctrine to which we give mental assent, then it has no power because it is not a belief of the heart. You know, in, uh, in Romans 6, it says, do you not know as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? So everything, everything about me outside of Jesus died. Uh, you know, I entered into uh, the death of Jesus on the cross, and I left everything out, outside of Christ on the cross, and it, was, and it was buried. Therefore, verse 4, we were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. So, oh, 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 wait a minute. And we, we've got to get into this. We can't get into this now. We only have a couple of minutes left. But wait a minute. So, so God raised Jesus up by his glory. Man, I'm going to tell you something. This is something that religion has hidden. Religion has lied about. Religion has twisted reality about. And the real truth is very few people have any concept of what that means for Jesus to be raised by the glory of God. Because you see, once we come to this re realization of what ha actually happened on the cross and in the grave and Jesus being raised by the glory of God, now we discover how to enter into this resurrection from the dead by that same glory of God. We enter into the very thing that raised Jesus up in righteousness and transformed him and, and uh, fulfilled all the reality, all the glory of God. So I'm going to just tell you three things real quick, like, and listen, next week we're going to dive into this head over heels. But if we're going to trust God's opinion then, and, and God's view and enter into his reality, the first thing we're going to do is we have to believe that God is who he says he is, not who I say he is, not who your mama says he is, not who your preacher says he is, not who your denomination says he is, not who the government says he is. You have got to accept God's representation or God's opinion of himself. Secondly, we have to believe that who Jesus is according to God's opinion. And God gives us opinion about Jesus, and we'll, we'll go into more of that as, as we move on. But then thirdly, we've got to put the icing on the cake for this to become a reality to us, is we've got to believe who we are in Christ according to God's opinion, not according 
to anything else, not according to our works, not according to our performance, but according to God's opinion. And I'm telling you, I am going to provide for you over the next few weeks uh, what you need to know to begin to operate faith and enter into this. Listen, man, I hope you get a lot out of this. Share this with anybody that's struggling because this is going to show people how to quit struggling, how to come out of that. Be sure and go to my website and check out all the free resources that we have in there. Listen, you want to help us raise up a billion disciples of Jesus, go to my website, impactministries.com. And check it out. Find out what it is like to be a world changer. Find out what we're doing all over the world. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.